You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, I held out as long as I possibly could to see if that trade was getting done so that we could do a podcast on that. It didn't happen. And so we're going to continue with our regularly scheduled program. And by that, I mean we're going to continue with doing something entirely different. Um, We're going to continue with uh, Packernet After Dark today. We're going to take some calls because, as I mentioned last night, if you didn't listen, shame on you. Um, I'm working on getting caught up on some draft stuff and, uh, didn't really feel comfortable with the amount of information I had accumulated. And since I didn't have a plan B, cause I'm an idiot, uh, I didn't have a ton to go on. Plus massively behind in calls. We are uh, taking calls from last Friday. So we're, we're getting to be about a week behind here. So we got to get a rocking. Okay. If you'd like to call in 608-501-0718 is the phone number to call. Leave a message. We'll get right to it. New callers go to the front of the line. We don't have any, so we'll just continue Friday, 12.29 p.m. from phone number. Have I mentioned I hate that with a passion yet? Do you realize we're, we're sending people into space? Like this AI thing is out of control, and I can't figure out a way to get a voicemail in under 45 minutes? I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing in this world? I don't understand. I should just turn my voicemails off, but then I get in trouble because somebody important calls and they're like, I've been calling you for a year and you haven't answered and you missed out on a million dollars and now I'm doing this stupid podcast. Oh, hi, you're still here. All right, let's take some calls. Actually, before we do that, um, I have a report. Third pizza is done. Three of ten. I did the margarita pizza. Dude, we're getting somewhere. We are getting somewhere. First of all, the kids are gone, so I didn't have them messing up my stuff. <laughs> but then I got the fresh mozzarella, right? Okay. I put some basil on afterward with a little drizzle of the olive oil. Man. I might have done a couple other blasphemous things I don't really want to talk about, but it's my own preference. Garlic Parmesan crust. But dude, we're learning, man. We're taking baby steps. We're getting there. Jersey Mike, I love you. Let's get started. What's going on, Ryan? This is Aaron. Hi. Um, so, 
I'm calling, like, before Rogers has officially been traded, but after the Pat McAfee show and everything, so yeah. we'll leave it at that. I'm just saying that that's where I'm at as far as time-wise. Um, so I just think that there's so many different kinds of fans out there, and everyone's allowed to fan however they want, and that's totally cool. My problem with a lot of fans that are going all over social media and Twitter and everything right now, they're losing their minds that we lost Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon and Jerron Reed, but failed to acknowledge that we retained Aaron Jones and Keyshawn Nixon. It's like, that that doesn't make sense to me because it's... Well, I've noticed... I mean, there, there's clearly, you know, the, the, everything kind of has its teams, right? And, and there seems to be the two teams are like the pro-Aaron slash hate goot camp and then the other camp, but they're not necessarily on the same side. They just generally tend to be. But there's a large portion, I would guess at least 50% of the fan base that is not a big fan of, of Gutekunst. And what I've noticed is that no matter what happens, the Packers should have been able to get that person, retain that person, whatever. And unless he brings on about 175 players to play for the Packers, Gutekunst failed. All right, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So he went to another team. We didn't get him. Gutekunst is a failure. Robert Tunyon, who's never really done anything as a Green Bay Packer. He had the one year with 10 touchdowns, but even that year wasn't super great aside from the 10 touchdowns, and he's really never been that fantastic. Um, I didn't really necessarily want to retain him last year, but we did. Not a big deal. Have no real desire to retain him this year. He went somewhere else. Gutekunst is a failure. Jaron Reed. Despite all the hype that he is this elite player, and I told you he wasn't, uh, he really wasn't. He was okay, but nothing more than that. He went and got massively paid to go somewhere else. Gutekunst failed. Alan Lazard, who was not good for the Packers, not even as a blocker, and had an attitude, and got paid way, 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 way too much money, went to the Jets. Gutekunst is a failure. OBJ, I just saw this today, one of the guys that I refuse to acknowledge or engage with because he loves to fight and he is on the exact opposite side as me. He seems to be one of these guys. They were talking about OBJ and it's, if Gutekunst doesn't get this guy, he's a piece of garbage. Well, apparently OBJ wants like $20 million, but that's not going to matter. So I think there is a contingent of Packer fans and generally the fans that don't like Gutekunst are the fans that don't recognize that there is a limit on how many players you can have, don't realize there's a limit on um, on the cap, and also just generally think that everybody's awesome. I think they kind of buy into the media hype. Because you got to understand, like guys like Ian Rappaport and all these talk shows and everything, everybody's awesome. Pat McAfee, everybody's awesome. Everybody's great. And the reality is most players, not that good. There's a handful of mega elite stars and then a big pile of like pretty good players a massive pile of mediocre players, massive pile of subpar players, and a beyond belief pile of well below average players. And so, yeah, it gets extremely exhausting because every single time anything happens and it wasn't the Packers that did it, Gutekunst failed. It doesn't, and it also doesn't matter if we have no money. You know, we can spend all our money, like you said, retaining our players like Aaron Jones. We could have no money because we pushed all the money out doing exactly what these fans wanted and have like $5 million against the cap and they will throw a fit because we didn't sign $15 million OBJ. There's really, and I, I don't want to overly generalize, so if this doesn't apply to you, I'm not talking about you. Even if you are anti-goot, again, I'm just talking about a specific subset that 
are wildly irrational. And no matter what happens, they're always going to be upset. We should have had that guy. We should have had that guy. So, yeah, continue. You're getting mad that we lost Alan Lazard to the Jets, who paid him a four-year, $44 million deal. Way too much money. And you can't tell me that Alan Lazard's worth that much. No. I'm sorry. Same as MVS last year. Like, there was a, a contingent of people that were really upset that we didn't maintain him. I was not one of them. I've never been a huge MVS fan, even when Packer fans, same with Tunyon. You know, Packer fans were insistent he was one of the top tight ends, and I kept trying to say he's really not. Same with MVS. You know, I mean, I liked MVS, but I think there was a period of time where it was, you know, like he could be this big thing or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, when, when, when he left, it's like, we got to retain him. It's like, no, we don't. And then when you saw how much money it was, again, to a certain subset of people, the money is immaterial. Like, the cap is fake, blah, 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 whatever. It's just, it's so exhausting. But he got massively overpaid. He did. Well, he went and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. On the back of MVS, I mean, he didn't produce much better than he ever did as a Packer. He's the same guy. And I'm sure Alan Lazard is going to be the same guy for the Jets that he was here, too. It's usually how that works. Devontae was pretty much the same guy for the Raiders as he was here. It's usually not a massive change from team to team. It's just not worth that. But he's not. Anyways, we retain, we're retaining all the players that actually make a difference to the team, and all the fans are at losing their mind that we are losing players that didn't make a, a huge amount of difference. Very well said. Like, I get if they want to complain. But again, it, it doesn't matter because nothing's ever good enough, and, and I want to retain all the players. And I want to get all the players. And I want to draft all the players. And I want to trade for all the players. So, it's, it's just, it's kind of a dumb thing. About Aaron Rodgers leaving, like, I get it. He's been... This Hall of Fame quarterback, he's been what we have for, he's the known quantity of what we've had for so long. And if, but the thing is, he's also held together this, these court, these group of players that just take up roster spots and take up cap yeah. space and like Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. And- well, and that's another good question too. That's at least worth exploring. Cause I, I, I know LaFleur loved Lazard and all that stuff too, but. How many guys maybe wouldn't be here if it wasn't for... I mean, we know Cobb wouldn't be here. But are there other guys that are here largely because Rodgers insisted that this is a core player for what I need, for what I like, and for what I do? And based on what Matt LaFleur wants and, and Brian Gutekunst wants, it maybe wouldn't have been. You know, Tunyon, for example. Maybe. Maybe. Because I know Rodgers loves Tunyon. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But it is worth noting that. Robert Tunyon, and all these guys that he demands to bring back. Like, I love Randall Cobb. Yeah. And I love Alan Lazard, and I love Bob Tunyon. But it's like, in the grand scheme of making the team better, we kept Keyshawn Nixon. Right. Aaron Jones took a pay cut. Yeah. We retained all the players that really matter in the end. And that's what fans need to focus on. Yet they're so up in arms that we're losing all of our players. Have you seen... The Vikings? Right. They have Harrison Smith, and they have Zadarius Smith, who Zadarius Smith fell off at the end of the year. Let's keep that in mind. And he does not want to play there. The Vikings are falling apart way more than the Packers, yet everyone's acting like the Packers are the bound to be the number one overall pick, and they're not going to win any more than three games, and they're going to be the bottom of the division. It's like, no, you're <laughs> wrong. Anyways, 
Bye, Ryan. Bye. Yeah, and and you're you're. I mean, I think that's a great point as far as um, you know, the the Packers are prioritizing core players. You know, we we restructured David Bakhtiari, which didn't really necessarily have to do with keeping him, aside from the fact of you know we have to do this for the sake of the team so that we can keep players, whatever. But um, Keyshawn Nixon, Aaron Jones, et cetera, et cetera, and not prioritizing guys that you know we've tried, but you can do better. And I think too many teams get stuck on that. You know, look at the Vikings with uh, Kendricks. He was fine, but they could have upgraded that. I don't want to get stuck with these guys that are good, but you can do better. And um, I think, I don't know that we've lost anybody that isn't, I don't want to say easily replaceable because that's not fair, but these are not top-tier players. And also to your point, there are other teams that are losing their core players like the Vikings, but not just losing them. Again, they picked up Marcus Davenport. He is a young guy. He was, I mean, he's, he's Rashawn's age, basically. Could you imagine losing? I mean, he's not as good as Rashawn, but they lost Rashawn. Uh, David Montgomery went to the Lions. Jamal Williams, maybe not exactly from a talent standpoint, but how does a guy break Barry Sanders' like touchdown record and he was a core locker room guy and you let him walk out the door to another team? How do you do that? So, listen, I, I think not everybody, but a lot of people just love to hate Brian Gutekunst, and they want every single thing. Everything has to be mine, mine, mine. Nobody's allowed to have anything else. But we got to start looking from, a, from the standpoint of scarcity a little bit. There's only so many roster spots. There's only so much money. And, and really just think about what is it you want. Because on one hand, Packer fans want all the best. We want all, like, I want that elite tight end, right? We all do. Who doesn't want that elite tight end? But at the same time, we need to bitter, bitterly cling to Tunyon because apparently Tunyon is the standard. If Tunyon's the standard, then you have no idea what an elite tight end is. So look, I, I think some people are just unreasonable and irrational and you just got to ignore them. And for other people, I think you genuinely need to, for example, like let's just ask some basic questions like with the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson thing. Every time you get upset that it was a small number and Gutekunst didn't meet that small number, instead of instantly getting mad at Gutekunst, because this happens like 10 times a year, ask yourself why the number was so low. And understand that whatever that reason is, that's why Gutekunst didn't do it. Every year there's a guy where it's like, dude, this guy's a stud, he's a star, and he goes for some bottom barrel rate. And rather than asking the obvious question, which to me is, dude, why did he go so low? Were there character concerns? Did he fail a physical? Was there, maybe he's not as good of a football player as we thought? Instead of asking the right questions, we ask the wrong question, which is, why does that idiot I hate never do the things I want? Again, in time, we're going to look back and say, yeah, there were some missed opportunities there. But not every player can be a Packer. And in the grand scheme of things, when one player goes to one other team, there are 31 other teams that don't have that player, including the team that just walked, watched them walk out the door. It feels like sometimes it's like a personal thing. Like everybody's looking at the Packers and laughing like, ha ha ha, you didn't get it. It's like nobody else got him either. You know, it's like in the draft when this doesn't happen as much, but just as an example, like if, if you really, Josh Jackson is not a terrible example, I guess. People thought Josh Jackson would be a great pick for the Packers in the first round. They traded up and they took Jair, who people thought was not quite as good as Josh Jackson. So it was like, well, that was a stupid pick. Well, then he falls all the way into the second round. And you could ask the question, you know, he fell all the way back to the second round. You idiot, you let him fall. Not a great example now that we know, but at the time, plus we drafted him. But just leave me alone. Let me do this. But the, the real question is, why did he fall? 
maybe we were wrong in our assessment of how good the prospect was. Malik Willis is another one. Packers could have had Malik Willis. He went all the way into this. They, they passed on him like four times. What a bunch of idiots. How about, why did every team pass on him every single time he came up on the board, all the way through the whatever round he got drafted? Well, then you watch him play and realize that's because he's bad, and that's why. But we didn't need to watch him play. We could have seen the draft and realized our assessment was wrong to begin with, and then said, oh, okay, there's some issues there, and we should expect him to maybe not be so good. And then when he was not so good, rather than like what a lot of the media did, which was try to downplay every single bad pass and, and overhype every single thing just because I want to be right about the prospect, you know, not be taken off guard because we kind of saw this coming. Because look, as much as I respect, you know, the, the uh, Daniel Jeremiah's of the world, I'll take the opinions of 32 current NFL GMs and their massive staffs over one Daniel Jeremiah. You know what I mean? It's not a Malik. I have no idea what he said about Malik, but I'm just saying in general. So here's an idea, a uh, suggestion for maybe one of the podcast listeners that live maybe in the Green Bay region area. Um, buy a bag of gummy bears and send it to 1265 in care of Jordan Love. So that he can uh, start learning to bite off the heads of bears. I think that's pretty funny. Somebody needs to do it. I'm out. Garrett, you're full of the one-liners, you know that? So when I was in uh, high school, Ryan, I worked at a pizza joint that was famous for their double-decker pizzas. Nice. And uh, trust me, the place is still in business and doing quite well. Uh, It's a very, very, very popular pizza joint in our town. And what uh, it basically uh, was made up of was just two pizza crusts that you would slather cheese and sauce on the first and a few of the toppings, not go crazy. Um, And then on the second layer, sauce, cheese, and whatever you want on your top toppings. And we would roll a uh, pizza crust roll all the way around to connect the two layers uh, to hold it in place, and uh, man, I'm telling you, those pizzas were incredible. Sounds amazing. So maybe at some point you can take two pizza crusts <laughs> and uh, make yourself your own double decker. So I'm out. It sounds fantastic in theory, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I just got done eating a lot of pizza, so <laughs> I'm I'm very full. Was the point of that? My my daughter just barged in. She was very mad at me because I made a pizza. Um, my son was actually mad too. <laughs> he came barging. I'm like, go tell mom and, uh, the kids to eat some pizza. And he's like, wait, what, what? You, you made pizza while we were gone. And then my middle daughter barged in. Said, you said you would never do that. <laughs> so I'm in big trouble, but it's good pizza, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm very full. So I may not be as long winded about, um, my love of food today. We'll see. So last night I watched on YouTube, uh, Jordan Love's Combine uh, highlights, and Jeremiah was very high on him, and obviously, he, you know, people have, have uh, mentioned this before, but he was making, you know, comparisons to uh, Mahomes, a poor Mahomes, but still, uh, right. likeness in some, so many ways. Um, his footwork was pretty decent in the Combine. Um, and they were really gushing over this guy, and 
to hear them compliment him on so many of his throws, his ability to drop it in in pinpoint places, showing his highlights from college. Um, he can definitely make some pinpoint drop-in-the-bucket oh, yeah. throws. The ability is there. So anybody that uh, needs a little reminder, go back to YouTube and watch uh, Jordan Love's combine highlights. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's a fantastic idea. But, again, I think it's just important because people forget, you know. The narrative for the anti-love, anti-goot crowd is nobody liked him. He was a project. Second-round pick. Everybody knew it. Gutekunst reached. That whole thing. So, just need to punch back at that narrative because that is not the case. And, by the way, something else to think about that I haven't really toyed around with. Some people were saying putting him kind of in the same tier as Justin Herbert, which is massive praise considering how good Herbert is, right? He, I mean, he was up there with everybody. But then you ask the question, why did he fall? Well, maybe it's because, again, he was a project from a small school. And a lot of teams, if you're going to swing for a quarterback, even if you're looking at it and you're saying it's kind of a tie between Tua, Herbert, and Love, Love is not going to be. He's going to be at the bottom of that list if it's a tie. Dude, we need a quarterback. I want a guy that can step in today and play. Herbert's got a bigger arm. Herbert's a bigger human being. Herbert played for a bigger program. In terms of evaluation, about even. But there's a, it's a no-brainer why, if you want a guy to start today, it would be Herbert. In fact, let me put it this way. It's entirely possible that if you had talked to, let's just say, the Chargers, that they would have said, I think in three years Jordan Love will be a better prospect, but I'm going to take Herbert because I think he's a better prospect today. Not to say that we took the worst prospect, obviously. They still thought he was going to be a great... You don't take a guy like that unless you think he's going to be a great starting quarterback. But those things are entirely possible. And just like I always talk about with the future picks not being worth less, now that the three years are past, who's worth more, Love or Herbert? Well, if that's true, the answer is Love in that scenario in which, you know, down the road. So they got their investment of you know, early player. That's a bad example, too, because, well, I guess it's not really. Well, it is because he's he's sitting and he's aging as he's not contributing. So it's not exactly the same as the draft pick thing, but you get the idea. And it does make you think, you know, what, what, if, what if Jordan Love wasn't really seen necessarily as a project? In other words, he doesn't have some kinks to work out. You know, we got to work on his footwork. We got to work on his arm delivery. We got to work on this and that and the other thing. What if he had played for you know, Clemson and, you know, was a little bit more pro-ready. Would he have made it out of the top 10? Because right now he's pro-ready, right? He's, it, it, that's the other thing. I, I, somebody shared with me his highlights and I went and watched it. And of course he threw some good balls and everything, but you watch his footwork, you watch the way he throws the ball and it's like, oh, he ain't doing that anymore. That is, that's, that's been tightened up for sure. He's pro-ready today. That's not really debatable. Another way to ask that question would be what if, you know, instead of drafting him out of Utah State, if you were drafting him having played for the Green Bay Packers behind Aaron Rodgers for three years, where would he have gone in the draft? Getting all that level, high level of coaching and, and everything else with those tools. You think he makes it out of the top 10? I don't think so. Just saying. Just a thought. That's not to say, I mean, listen, he could go pick five and still be garbage. Zach Wilson went pick two and that dude is rough. I'm just saying, don't look at where he got picked and say, well, he's, you know, he's not as good as this guy, that guy, whatever. Hey, Ryan and Packer friends. This is Tom in Flagstaff. Hi, Tom. It's been an interesting week, right? Now we're talking about leverage and <laughs> trades and who's got the side of public support 
Oh, I think we could solve it this way. I think we should trade Wingo <laughs> for Schefter and a conditional Pelissero. <laughs> and I think we got this all figured out. <laughs> then, when that's all done, then we could focus on a quarterback that really matters. That's who is the third string quarterback going to be? Yeah. I want it to be a left handed quarterback. Okay. I do. It's been long enough. All right. Come on. Let's just do it. Fair enough. <laughs> Love your show. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. See you next time. That is a good question. There's a lot of talk about who's going to be his backup. Um, but the real question is, who's going to be that number three quarterback that every single Packer fan is going to ex- insist is the next coming of, uh, of I guess, Aaron Rodgers that needs to be playing? You know what is going to be really bad? Is that narrative is going to be brutal this year. Because if Jordan Love plays a little bit, and it's not the greatest looking thing, and then we get a second string or a third string guy that just lights it up, do you know how awful it's going to be with the amount of Packer fans and non-Packer fans? insisting that our backup is better than our starter, I can almost guarantee you that's going to happen. The Jordan Love haters will not have the ability to just wait. Just like Bears fans had no ability to be patient and realize that it's just the preseason and because he had one good preseason game does not mean he's a great quarterback, which, what did he have, like a 95 PFF grade this one week in the preseason? And they lost their freaking minds. Oh, he's so good. And then he went on to play like garbage in the regular season. I told him, be patient, don't do it. You're just stacking up receipts for yourself. They couldn't help themselves. The first chance they had, didn't matter that the week before he was garbage. First opportunity they had to run their freaking mouth, they just could not help but do it. And that's exactly what's going to happen to Jordan Love in in the preseason. Jim Schmitzenbacher, the third string left-handed quarterback, lights up 17th string Jaguars defense. Some think he should be the starter over Jordan Love. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Hey, I just wanted to send a uh, message out to anybody who's on the Aaron Rodgers side. Buckle up. Um, that that he should have been the one to come back and we should have gotten rid of Jordan Love and then blah, 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 all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to start screenshotting things from now on. I'm going to start screenshotting anybody who's talking about Jordan Love, anybody who says that Aaron Rodgers should have been the one to come back, all of it. I'm going to start screenshotting all of it. And I don't care how long I need to keep those pictures, but if Jordan Love ends up becoming a star and he's another great quarterback, even just a good quarterback, and he can lead us to at least the playoffs, and when Aaron Rodgers can't do anymore and retires and the Jets over, I'm going to ram it down your throat on Twitter until you delete your account, okay? (laughs) I'm going to be your worst nightmare because I am so so unbelievably tired of hearing about it. I'm just stick to death. Stick to death of reading your tweets. So guess what? If that happens, I am going to make you sick of being on the internet. Just a fair warning. So, f*** you. Have a terrible day. Good talking to you, Nate. Couple things. Um, oh, shoot. No, I, I don't know when he's going to post it, but I did a uh, New York Jets uh, podcast. I was doing an interview with them, and... Um, Invited them to come hang out with us, call in, listen to the show, etc. I hope they get a chance to hear Nate because, you know, they don't get to experience it. You know, the drama that's going on over here. That's just a good introduction to what's been going on over here in uh, Packers land. Here, here's something else I was thinking of while you were talking. I wonder how much 
of the longtime love haters, the worst pick in history people, all those guys. There's, there's two different questions here. One, I wonder how many of them are already going into hiding out of fear. And two, how much of the trash talk currently is purely out of fear? And also, I wonder how much of that clinging to Rogers stuff is out of fear. Not largely because of, you know, we need to keep Rogers, but because they have been screaming for the longest time that Love was the worst pick in the world. And for that to turn out to be a good pick would be devastating to them. Because honestly, the best thing that could happen for them is for Love to go away, because then that would prove it was a terrible pick. But now that Rodgers is gone and we have a quarterback, it's already starting to pay dividends, because we're not screwed. Rodgers is leaving, and we've got a guy who is a first-round pick quarterback that has tools that have been compared to Pat Mahomes, and he's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. That's not the worst situation you could possibly be in. And the dude's 24 years old, younger than guys that got drafted last year. So it's already not a wasted pick. It's being put to use. So they're already kind of wrong. But if he's even moderately good, I just wonder how much absolute terror is going on right now because that whole plan is starting to come to fruition. The fact that what we've been saying for years that, you know, at some point, maybe it's not as fast as you want, but at some point we're going to have a quarterback to take over. And as much as they want to piss and moan and kick and scream because they feel like they can do that because this day's never going to come, guess what? Bill's come and do, son. Your mouth's been writing a lot of checks. And now Rodgers is gone. And everything we've been saying, again, without him even taking a single snap, all this talk about how it was a terrible pick, he never took a single snap. And already it's paying dividends. Because like I've been saying for years, this day's coming. Rodgers isn't going to be here forever. And just because it's not the first year or the second year doesn't mean it's not a good pick because we're investing in the long term. He needs to sit, he needs to learn, and when it's his time, he'll be ready. Because first-round pick quarterbacks don't fall into your lap, especially when you're picking in the back of the first round. The, the idea that, well, why don't we just wait until we need one? The heck are you talking about? What quarterback? You think you can just manifest stuff out of thin air? This is like Bears fans who are bragging about having $100 million. Bro, money doesn't just manifest players. You can't just, you know, AI generate some magical football player with this nameless, you know, ZXB421-6 left tackle that was generated out of thin air that we paid for. Nope. There has to actually be a human being that's available, number one, in a price range that you think makes sense. And then you have to compete with the rest of the NFL for that player. And that player has to choose you over those other teams. And you're not very desirable. And as they learned, guess what? They're... Ho- the- their entire team wasn't fixed. They didn't fix their offensive line. They didn't fix basically anything. They don't have pass rushers, defensive tackles, corners, nothing. Maybe have wide receivers, but that was in a trade. You didn't even get that guy in free agency. Free agency was a freaking disaster. You got a couple linebackers and a guard. <laughs> and I think like a third string quarterback or something. But just like you can't manifest things to happen in free agency, you can't just say, well, we need a quarterback. I guess we'll draft one now. But again, this is this is why sometimes the draft season gets to be a little bit obnoxious when people do these mock drafts and stuff, and I don't really like it as much because it all it is is picking positions. You know, a little bit of like, I like this prospect or whatever, but it all just comes down to position. It's all, you could just make it nameless. It doesn't actually matter. 95% of it is just picking the position I want. Well, that's not how this works. It comes down to evaluation. You evaluate the player. And when, you know, if we hadn't drafted Jordan Love, we'd be going into this draft drafting who? Because this is the year, right? We're picking at pick 15. Who are we getting? Nobody. We're not getting a quarterback. There isn't one. Maybe we get one next year. Man, maybe. Maybe we don't. I don't know. 
we'd probably have to go into free agency. We would have ended up with a guy like Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that. That's what we would have done. And we'd pluck along. And we would end up just like the Colts who went out and got Matt Ryan and went out and got Phillip Rivers. And we'd be doing that dance for however long. When a when you, your team of evaluators comes to the conclusion that a franchise quarterback has fallen into your lap and your aging veteran quarterback who is disgruntled and, and close to being on the way out, who hasn't been play, playing very well, you know, he's getting up in age, you pull the freaking trigger, okay? That's what you do. And it's for this reason. So yeah, maybe they're starting to sweat a little bit because they're already wrong about it being a wasted pick because it wasn't a waste. We have a quarterback because of that pick. And if that guy, again, is even moderately good, I'm with you, Nate. I'm going swinging. Swinging. Because we've been putting up with a lot of crap about that pick. A lot of crap. Ain't ways. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back. We'll take some more calls. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. By the way, it seems as though I may have been wrong about the uh, Brian Gutekunst thing. I mentioned I thought I might have been in the minority in terms of people that still supported Brian Gutekunst. Less than 14% seem to not like Brian Gutekunst, so... I don't even know when I said, was that on this episode or the other episode for tomorrow? Or maybe when I talked to the Jets guy, I'm not sure. But if you heard me say that, I'm correcting that. I thought that it was the, oh no, I think it was, uh, I don't know, we've been talking about Goot today. Jeremy uh, on Twitter posted, uh, how do you feel about Brian Gutekunst? 65% said good, 13.4% said great, 
13.9% said bad, and then 8.3% just wanted to see the results. So as much complaining about Brian Gutekunst as there seems to be, I always assumed it was like 60% couldn't stand the guy, but 65% like him, almost 14% love him. It was pretty good. Good stuff, Mike. Hey, caller number five here. Hi. Pat decided to post a long, drawn-out, nonsensical, I guess is the way I would describe it, message today on Twitter. I, I don't understand. Well, I do understand he needs to have Rogers on his good side so that he could come on his show, um, which crapping on Goot is uh, an easy way to do that. I'm right. sure Rogers doesn't have any love loss for Goot. But, like, he talks about leverage. Don't care about that conversation. I already called about that. But what I care about is, like, you're you're disrespecting Goot for what? Just because he's your boy? Like, think right. about it objectively, man. Um, you, you complain about the contract that we gave to Rodgers. Like, we're not supposed to give a contract to a back-to-back MVP. Yeah. He complains about the Jordan. Well, and that's the thing. Like, that's my – that might be my biggest knock on Brian Gutekunst is that contract. But, again – Rodgers Rogers was in the position of power in that spot. The Packers did not have a high level of confidence in Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP, right? What are you supposed to do? Are you really going to like trade the MVP quarterback, MVP of the league, and let Jordan Love, who hasn't figured out how to play football for the Green Bay Packers yet, you're, you're going to make that swap? You're going to get fired. So... Rodgers knew that. You want to talk about leverage? Rodgers had the leverage. He knew it. And that was the whole point. You know, he he was about to lose his job. He went and won MVP, and he got all the power. And while he had the power, because it's a fleeting thing, if he doesn't get it next year, he loses it. As soon as he doesn't play like that, he loses all his power and he loses his job. So while he has the leverage, he needs to get a contract in which he has all the control, which is exactly what he asked for. It wasn't about the numbers, necessarily. It was about control. I decide when I leave. So, again, I hate the contract. But looking back, maybe it was the right thing to do. But in that spot, I don't know, dude. Love pick because we had just come off an NFC championship game like we didn't see a declining Aaron Rodgers. And like Rodgers himself didn't say the drafting of Jordan Love is what fueled my two MVP seasons. Right, and we won 13 games in 2019 and went to the NFC Championship. That's true. But I already showed you, like, his PFF, where he ranked, was not that great. Our offense was not even as good as our defense. I think we ranked, like, 15th or something. So it's not like, oh, dude, Aaron Rodgers was the GOAT in 2019. You should have known better. Dude, Aaron Rodgers played poorly in 2015. He had a bounce back in 2016. He had a vicious injury in 2017. He played like garbage in 2018. And then he played somewhat subpar, but you know the team was overall better in 2019. And then a, a franchise quarterback fell into our laps. And that's not even to speak about Rodgers' age. That's not even to speak about Rodgers' demeanor, the way that he, the way that he acts, the, his, his disdain for the front office and uh, dislike of the the turnover of, of the front office and the coaching staff and everything else. It's not even getting to that part. So, yeah. <sighs> right. As much in that um, in that interview that he gave. I just, like, he's, he's so hurt over the Packer fans turning on him. Like, yeah, we're going to turn on you if you start talking crap about our GM and, and posting up this Joe Douglas for whatever reason. Right. 
oh, Joe Douglas took advantage of dumb teams uh, after he did a terrible decision of drafting Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Like, come on, man. It's just so ridiculous. He's not even saying anything in this damn tweet. Right. There's nothing going on. Well, right, that, that big, long tweet. I mean, that was my response to him in that tweet was like, dude, you said a lot of words to say a whole lot of nothing. Like That, that took me so long to get through that whole tweet. I don't even think I finished it. It was just like, you're not saying anything, dude. He, he's so long-winded. Like, I'm long-winded. But I like to think I at least get to some kind of a salient point eventually. Dude just talks and talks and talks. It's like when I'm trying to play an interview that he did with Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, I want to play the tee-up question, but it takes 45 minutes for him to ask the question. And then he gets to the question, and it's like a four-second answer. So, yeah, I mean, he, he just went on this big, long thing, and it's like he didn't even say anything. He didn't make a single point. It's like, dude, you're just bad at this. Really bad at this. And and again, I think the whole thing about him being upset about it and everything, I think he was just really taken off guard. I don't think he expected it. And uh, Clayton and I went on um, with Matt Ramage, and I had mentioned on the podcast the day before, I think Pat McAfee, and I think even Clayton was a little surprised at the backlash. Um, even I, honestly, was probably a little bit surprised because, as I just said, I thought most of the fan base wasn't a big Goot supporter. I think we all learned a little bit about how passionate this fan base can be about Brian Gutekunst. We've been kind of suffering in silence with all the pissing and moaning about Brian Gutekunst, and then <laughs> that Pat McAfee thing just apparently flipped a switch, and all of us, well, I've been screaming about it forever, but the silent majority that has been tired of the whining apparently got a voice and said enough is enough. So thank you, everybody, for speaking up. He's literally complaining to complain. It's so dumb. Like, whatever, man, enjoy your show. And it is a shtick, sorry to tell you. Yeah. So, whatever. Stupid. Well, and the thing is, he's got a shtick, but he didn't shtick to it. <laughs> His shtick is like, I don't know, I'm just this big, dumb punter. I'm loud, and I drink, and I have fun, and we party, and we're just cool with people. We're nice with people. And all of a sudden, he tries to be like this angry intellectual, you know, like, I'm going to make really salient intellectual points and I'm just going to start trashing people. And it's like, you have ventured into the wrong part of town, bro. Because you're already messing up. You know, it's like, it's like I went through that whole thing where he was trying to rip Clayton. And it's like, he he just said five things and every single one of those things he said was wrong. Right? Not a blogger. Didn't present it as his own information. Not monetized. You know, like every single thing you have said is wrong. You know, Joe Douglas is a genius. Brian Gutekunst is an idiot. Like, I haven't heard that guy say a word that was correct in a very long time. So, go back to being the dumb punter that just says, and that's your words, not mine. I'm, I'm not calling you a dumb punter, but I am saying, this is not what you, this is not your shtick. That's my thing. Like, you play up the whole, you know, I don't know nothing, man. I'm just a punter. And then you bring on the experts and you let them talk. And you go, oh, oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Right, And I almost feel like he kind of bit too much into this, you know, where he does that weird thing where he tries to tee up Aaron Rodgers to just dunk on people. And I don't know why he does that, and that gets a little bit annoying. But now it's like he wanted to take a turn, like, I'm going to do the dunking, right? Whereas before, he's like, I'm not like the knower of things, but I'm going to kind of like goat people into doing it because they're, the, they're, they're smart and they know their stuff. So I'm just going to like say stuff and then let them rip people to shreds. And he's like, I want to turn. 
I'm going to be the one making great points and tearing people up. And then Jets and Packer fans are going to love this because everybody hates Goot, and he was just freaking way... Again, wrong, 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 wrong. He's wrong about freaking everything. Just go back to being the nice guy that everybody likes, okay? Go be a likable guy. Don't start swinging wildly at people or entire fan bases because it's going to blow up in your face. All right? You already lost one fan base. You don't want to lose two. Man, has somebody checked on Bears fans lately? Like... (laughs) Uh, they're supposed to be like in the best mood ever. They have all this, all this draft capital. They're and so got quiet. All the cap space to bring in all these free agents, and they love all the signings that they're bringing in. But yet, god damn, like on Twitter, they are so easy to troll right now. <laughs> like how how are you guys getting so upset over the like little? They always things? do. It's not even hard. They're to so sensitive anymore used to be a challenge yeah man i i don't know what's going on over there but there there is something something is not okay in the water down in chicago i don't know somebody uh somebody let me call in and let me know what's going on down there go pack go it was funny because they when they did that little poll thing or whatever about the most negative fans or positive fans i think the bears were the most positive in the nfc north um and that was pulled from reddit twitter and facebook packer fans are mostly positive apparently aside from reddit where it's just a freaking cesspool which I think is par for Reddit. But um, anyways, it kind of makes sense because Bears fans are very positive toward the Chicago Bears, not just positive in general, I don't think. Because as much as Packer fans can get sensitive and you can set them off or whatever, Bears fans are insane. Like, I'll make a... Anytime I go on Twitter make any kind of inane comment about the Bears, first of all, somehow they find it. I don't know how. How did you find my tweet? People that are not following me, guys that I've, I've, you know, I don't know how many I've muted that are commenting on my stuff because those guys that always found it and would always comment, I ended up muting half of them. But um, no, there's always these Bears fans that do not follow me. Sometimes they're like these big checkmark accounts and everything. And it's like, how did, how did you find this and why are you so mad? It's stuff that's not even super arguable. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't understand it, but they, they get super sensitive about everything. And, um, yeah, pun intended, they're, if you want to poke the bear, it's real easy to do because they just fly off the hand, and they always defend the team, unlike Packer fans. Like, Packer fans, Goot, half, well, apparently not half the fan base, but a lot of Packer fans, Goot can do no right. I don't know if Bears fans have that. Like, eventually, they all kind of work in unison from what it seems. They all wildly support every single stupid... I wanted to say something stronger there, but I don't think I can add on stupid. Every single stupid thing that they do. And then it gets to a point where they finally realize, like, it's not working, and then there's a slow turnover where it's, like, 20%. You know, you get, like, the more negative fans who turn first. Then it's, like, 50%. And then, you know, within, like, a month or two, the entire fan base has shifted from we all support them to we all freaking hate them. You know, I mean, if you look at the offensive coordinator, they went back and forth from loving and hating, but they all did it in unison. One minute, he is the greatest thing. He's going to be the greatest coach, offensive coordinator in the history of the world. And then when things weren't going right, we can't blame Justin Fields, blame the offensive coordinator. That guy's a freaking idiot. He should be fired. He's a loser. But they all agreed. 
So they all work in unison. So, man, when one of them finds your tweet, they all agree and they're all going to come after you. And even when they're fighting, they won't let you know. Because if a Packer fan tries to dip his toe in, like if Bears fans are in the middle of an argument, and they're like, oh, I think this is good, and I think this is bad, and a Packer fan comes in and is like, it's definitely bad, they're all going to turn. Because they hate Packer fans more than anything on planet Earth. They hate the Packers. They hate Rodgers. They hate everything about this team and its fans. And so you're going to feel the full force. But it, it is funny because it's the dumbest stuff. Like, dude, it's... You have been talking for months about how you're going to get Deron Payne, you're going to get Elton Jenkins, you're going to get absolutely freaking everybody. Offensive tackles, defensive tackles, edge rushers, offensive, you know, guards and wide receivers and all this stuff. And you got exactly zero on your wish list. Literally zero. You got two linebackers, a guard, and a backup quarterback. Maybe some other stuff that I missed, but nothing relevant. In fact, pretty much nothing relevant across the board and they'll come out and be like we got the greatest linebacker in the history of the world it's like let me remind you of the part where you guys loved roquan but said it's the right thing to do to move on because we're a rebuilding team and we can't afford that contract nobody should pay that much for a linebacker do you remember that and so you got rid of roquan because despite the fact that you think he's the greatest linebacker in the world, smart GMs don't overpay linebackers, and you overpaid two, two linebackers. You don't have edge rushers or defensive tackles or corners or an offensive line or really a running back anymore because you got rid of Montgomery. I mean, you got the other guy, but it's just the one guy now. Herbert, I guess, I think, right? But boy, you got two linebackers, you bunch of freaking idiots. And I have to actually argue with you about this? Like, you're actually going to stand up and be like, no, we're, this is genius. This is what we always wanted. Like last year when they talked all this trash about how they have a better quarterback, they have better wide receivers, they have a better offensive line, they have a better defense, they have a better every single thing. And then when we go back and be like, dude, your, your team kind of sucks, right? What happened to that? I thought you guys had a good team. We always knew. We always knew this is a rebuild year. Like, we, we never said we were going to be good. First of all, bullcrap. Second of all, even even on the low end, you guys said you'd get, you know, like seven, eight wins. And even that didn't make sense because you were constantly bragging about how great your coaches were, how great your GM is, your quarterback, your wide receivers, your tight end, your running back, right? The whole defense, all that was great. And then you're going to tell me about eight wins, which doesn't make any sense. But even that, you were wrong because you won exactly three. I don't know if I heard anybody say less than six wins. So, but again, it's this revisionist history where everybody said, like, the most pessimistic Bears fans said six. Some said they were going to win the North. And then when we try to pull receipts, they're like, dude, everybody knew this was the case. Like, everybody knew it was a rebuilding year, you idiot, you stupid jerk, Packer fan, loser, moron. We knew you're lying. Nobody ever said anything different. Right? Like, just right now, we're supposed to ex believe that this is all Bears fans expected. Like, dude, what happened to that? Well, he's not a good scheme fit, you see? That that would have been a terrible thing if we got that elite left tackle because, you see, the scheme is not the same scheme, and that's why I don't even want him. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if you would have got him free agency rather than saying, we just got the uh, a franchise left tackle, this is the greatest thing in the world, all the Bears fans would have been saying, this is a terrible scheme fit. You guys are phony, man. You guys are so freaking phony. It's ridiculous. There's, there's a part of me that admires how much you guys support your team. It is admirable. It's freaking adorable. But good Lord, just stop lying about everything. You suck so bad, and you just won't admit it.
I mean, it's bad enough you guys will not stop with the Justin Fields thing, but everything else, too, is like, jeez, freaking come on. Hey, hey, Ryan, this is, this is Six Pack Daddy. Hey. And I've been, I mean, I've been busy because I've been kind of chucking around the backyard here doing some landscaping. I understand. And I was sort of like inspired, look at, you know, kind of looking at the plants and the clouds. And I don't know if this was talked about yet, but you know how, um, you know, Rogers is, kind of on this path with Brett Favre and doing the same things as Brett Favre. And I, I, and maybe if you talked about this, I apologize. I don't want to waste your time. But we can't talk to Brett Favre, right? Wouldn't it be great to talk to Brett Favre? Because, you know, I'm 51 years old, and so I remember when he was, like, on the tractor and there was, like, tractor watch, and then he was on Greta Van Susteren. And again, because I'm old, I'm, I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm emotional about this, because I'm sort of like bringing up old memories. But it's, when I was, I was actually in Wisconsin when this was happening. I'm in L.A. now. But when this was all happening, and I just was wondering, like, man, we, could we talk to Brett Favre? And it's like, dang, no, because of all the, you know, the stuff that we can't really talk about. So I don't know. If it's already been covered, you know, skip this. Don't worry about it. But I just wanted to see if, if I was sort of like inspired to, to something new, or if I was inspired to something that probably has already been talked about. So, okay, sorry, got to go by. I miss your calls, six-pack daddy. Don't, uh, don't take so long in between calls. I don't know what to do with that, to be honest. Um, we, we, yeah, we, I, I guess we can't talk to him. I can't because I don't have his phone number or anything. He's still alive. Um, but I can't, I can't. I could tweet at him. You might read it. Okay, is he even on, is he on Twitter? I don't know. I'm not sure if he's on Twitter. I would assume he is, but he might not be. I don't know. I'm sure there are ways to try to get a hold of him. What did we want to talk to him about, anyway? Something about a tractor and Greta, Greta Van Susteren. But um, yeah, I appreciate the call. Fifty-one year old, emotional six-pack daddy. I uh, I do miss them. Hey, um, just call number five. This is just Not an easy, just. easy solution to the whole, you know, they don't appreciate their players. How can they do this better? Just give them a Chili's gift certificate in addition to severance. It's perfect. <laughs> I don't know why we're still struggling with this when it was figured out years ago. So that's all I wanted to say. Um, yeah, just give them a gift certificate to Chili's and everything would be fine. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. Uh, if you if you were to ask my wife, she would tell you why uh, pretty quickly. I have a vendetta against Chili's. It's silly, I understand that. I I agree. Um, I've been to Chili's once in my life that I remember, and I ordered a burger, and it was a bad cheeseburger. And I've maybe had a bad cheeseburger like three times in my life. Twice that I can remember at a restaurant, and one was at Chili's. It was massively overcooked, and it sucked. And so um, my general rule is if you can't make a burger not taste bad, I don't ever want to frequent your establishment again. So, again, if Chili's wants to sponsor the show, I expect you guys to shut your mouth, okay? Because I will be a Chili's fanatic. I'll give them another shot. I'm sure they got good food. It was just a bad experience. Cook was having a bad day. Maybe they got the order wrong and thought I, instead of saying I want a medium cheeseburger, they thought I said I want it well done and then cooked for another hour. Sounds similar. Um, 
But yeah, I'm more of an Applebee's guy. Applebee's got some good burgers, dude. Remember, Grandma used to pick those up. We go through like phases, you know, picking up like cops and stuff. But there was an Applebee's by our house, and she's like, "You want me to swing by and get some Applebee's?" And uh, they'd have the pickup orders, and so it was kind of convenient. You just, you know, you call in your order, and you swing by and grab it. And uh, she'd give me a burger and fries, and dude, it's pretty good. Pretty good burgers. I like their burgers. I'm just saying. So maybe could we do Applebee's instead of Chili's? You think? Or are we sticking with Chili's? I don't. I don't know. Could we do Texas Roadhouse? Because I feel like if nothing else, they got those rolls. You know, I think everybody can agree those are some sweet rolls, right? Maybe, maybe that's the way we go. Texas Roadhouse. We can figure it out. But generally speaking, I think you're on the right path with a gift card. Um, you could just go Amazon, but it, it seems to lack sort of that uh, personal, like, I want you to enjoy your life. It's more of like grandma's giving their grandchild an Amazon gift card because I have no idea what you want. So here's 50 bucks, and I'm trying to seem like hip at the same time, you know? Um, yeah, we should we should do something a little bit more, per like a pizza place. But pizza's tough because, you know, if it's fast food, that's not right. But also, if it's like good pizza, you know, you're you're limiting yourself. You know, I mean, if you give that to a player and they go back to their home in, in Louisiana, well, they don't have uh, Jimmy's Wisconsin pizza in Alabama, so it's, it doesn't do any. It's got to be a chain of some kind and uh, something that's quite good. Culver's, for example. By the way, Culver's been begging Culver's for a long time to please sponsor this podcast, and they are not super receptive to me, but that is, uh, I think it's a match made in heaven. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, we should give some Culver's gift cards to the guys on the way out. And if they can't, here, here's, here's why that's brilliant beyond that. Because if Packer fans, if you thought Packer fans were passionate about Brian Gutekunst and, and came to his defense... Wait until you find out what happens when a player gets let go that is slipping and they find out that you got a Culver, $100, 100 or maybe 50 100 is a little steep, but somewhere between 50 and and $100 gift card to Culver's and you complained that you were not treated right. You will never be allowed back in the state again. That's what I know for a fact. Hey, Ryan. It's hey. from Texas. Hey, what's hey, up, man? I just want to uh, propose a sale to you. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I want you to imagine a scenario where I have two houses and you don't have anywhere to live. One of those houses I own is older, uh -huh. starting to show signs of decline, yep. and needs coddling and maintenance. Mm -hmm. and I just don't want to keep investing into it, so right. I really don't have any emotional attachment anymore to this house. And I kind of just don't want it anymore. Yeah, sounds like I don't want it either. You want to buy one of my houses. Yeah. And it happens to be the one I don't favor as much. Mm -hmm. It's more work than necessary. And I just want to So I do want that one. It. Okay, I want it. Yeah, I want that one. You ordered furniture and scheduled movers. Yeah. And in a couple months, <laughs> you're in a situation where you really, really need this house. Yeah. Ironically, there are no other houses on the market. Uh -huh. And you really want to buy the house that I happen to no longer want. Yeah. So I bought this house at um, – actually, so the other caveat is if I don't sell before the new year, 
I had to pay a huge capital gains tax on the property. Mm -hmm. Also, there are no Two other people yeah. interested in buying my house except you. So it's the best interest for me to sell the house as soon as possible so I don't have to pay these taxes. Mm -hmm. And I bought the house at $200,000, but Zillow says it's now worth $1 million. But you only want to spend 400000 So even if I sell it for 400000 that's a 100% profit. I should take that deal. Mm -hmm. However, given the market scarcity and value, I Oof. will not accept anything less than $900,000. Okay. Because winter is coming, and you have no house. No. But I have two houses with one for sale. Mm -hmm. So please tell me, who has the leverage in this transaction? Go Pack Go. That's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, yeah. The the hard thing about the analogy is it, it kind of actually played out in our analogy hilariously, because you described the house and I'm like I don't want that house, and then you're like No, you do want that house. I'm like Oh, okay, because that really does kind of explain my stance on this whole leverage thing. If you're asking me, the Jets have all the leverage because I don't want Aaron Rodgers at all. Now, I'm, I'm still screwed for sure. I don't have any good quarterback prospects at all, so I'm screwed. But I don't want Aaron Rodgers, so I don't really care. But that's not the situation. The situation is they do really want him, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to kind of parse it out because every time Jets fans make a valid argument it's an argument that I completely agree with about, oh, well, look at his contract. Well, look at this, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But you're speaking from the standpoint of somebody like me who thinks that you shouldn't even get Aaron Rodgers. That would be stupid. But that's not the Jets. You're arguing from a place from which your team does not currently stand. Right? It's really hard to put all your chips in the Aaron Rodgers basket and then come to the negotiation table and say, by the way... We don't even want this guy. So suck on that egg, buddy. But I but but how much how much do you think you want him like want for him? Because we signed some guys that uh were for Rogers and we also talked to Rogers and, and we made an agreement and Rogers says he wants to be here and all our fans are expecting it and the media will not stop talking even though we beg them to stop talking about Rodgers. They all they talk about is how good we're going to be because of Rodgers. So anyways, but uh, we don't we don't even need him like even a little bit, but just curious like where you're at on that whole thing. Again, I don't know, man. I mean, Jets fans seem pretty confident in the fact that they really don't have any um um qualms about going in a different direction. I think that's just the rational Jets fan talking, not realizing that that's not the actual stance of the New York Jets. That's not the position they've put themselves in, and that's really not a position that they can actually negotiate from. Again, any position of strength, where where is it? Well, Aaron Rodgers could come back. Really? Is he talking to the team? Has he mentioned he wanted to come back? Has he done anything other than trash the Green Bay Packers in such a way as to communicate that he has no desire to come back? Has that door already been closed? Do you really think Aaron Rodgers wants to come back groveling to the Green Bay Packers just to be shut down and be told no? And then get into an argument where he has to force his way back onto the team because the Packers don't actually have any leverage in that discussion so that he can sit on the bench and end his career by completely trashing his legacy, not only because his year ended by sitting on the bench, 
but because the only reason he did that was to be petty and to destroy his team's chances of having any success and have to look his teammates and coaches in the eye as he does that? He started his career getting booed. He's going to end it getting booed. That's what he wants? I don't think so. And I'll tell you what, I don't really like booing players. I will pay for a ticket if he does that just so I can go to the stadium, just so I can spend the entire hour, three hours, booing Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm going to do. I will not sit down. When our offense when our offense is on the field and Jordan Love is out there shushing, being like, guys, be quiet, it, you're going to be able to hear a pin drop except for one voice and it'll be mine booing Aaron Rodgers because that freaking D-bag came back just to be a D-bag. I will never stop booing him if he does that. So yeah, if that's what he wants to do, if that's how he wants to end his career for somebody who's very concerned about his legacy, again, remember, he wanted to win a Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset. That's why he wants to come back. He wants that one more thing to pig out. Ping? Uh, ping? Pig? What in the world am I trying to think of? Pin? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure where we're going with this. He wants that last thing. And the idea, well, he wouldn't be on the bench. He would be the starter. Bull crap. You think they're going to go to Jordan Love at this point while the receivers and Aaron Jones are out in California training with Jordan Love. They're going to say, oh, actually, Rodgers is going to give this one more shot. And then we're going to lose Jordan Love. That's what you want to do. And then when Rodgers retires next year, we have to eat uh, another $70 million on top of if Jordan loves here, whatever his contract is. And if he's not, then we're going to pay all that just for the luxury of having no quarterbacks. No way in the world are we doing that. He's going to come back to the Green Bay Packers and say, you tanked my offer, so I want to come back. And they're going to say, you will never be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers again. Why would they even give him that? They want him to retire. So if the whole thing is we need him to retire, you think they're just going to say, okay, you can be the starter. No, they're going to say, no, that's fine. You can sit on the bench. He's not doing that, dude. There's no way. There's no way. And I don't even think he's going to threaten it, which is why that hasn't even come up. That's the other thing. They don't have any points of leverage from that standpoint either. He can't even threaten it because it's already going to hurt and damage his legacy as a Green Bay Packer. Because this whole thing right now is that he's the good guy. That's how he wants to picture, you know, again, both sides are, are playing the PR battle. But he wants it to be known as, I wanted to retire. Then I came out of the darkness retreat and I was like, well, let's at least see what they're interested in. But then they hurt my feelings and they closed the door and everything was horrible. So I said, fine, if you really don't want me here, then I guess I'll leave. Right? That's his standpoint. He's not going to threaten, if you don't do this, I'm going to come back and take the sex. He's not going to do that. Just like with the Jets, why aren't they talking to Lamar? Because then you lose Rodgers. They can't even pretend to have leverage or they're going to lose all their leverage. So again, there are a lot of rational Jets fans making very salient points about why the Packers are not in a position of strength. The Jets are in a stronger position, but it's only if you completely uh, sort of fictionalize the situation that we're in, where the Jets don't really need him, but the Packers really need him gone. Not if you assume that Rodgers would just retire if this falls through, which is the situation. And it's like, well, you really going to let him walk away with nothing? Be better to let him walk away with nothing than to trade him away for a third round pick. Because we didn't let him go for nothing. He retired. You didn't do anything wrong as a GM if he retires. But if you trade him away for a garbage pick, then you look like a schmuck. You look like a punk who got rolled over. So, yeah, right, that's, that's, uh, that's how that goes. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and call it. I need to go to bed. It's getting late. Uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you later tonight, maybe tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>